Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, our full slate jack-of-all-trades, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven, and at full underscore slate underscore pod, manages our podcast account, as it is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. You listen to this on a Friday morning, just over 24 hours outside of kickoff in Kansas City between the Jags and the Chiefs. We'll dive through all four of the divisional round games over the next 30 to 45 minutes. Alex, how we doing? I know it was a... A rough weekend for you. Wild card round resulted in a lot of frustrating losses. Chargers, that Bills first half was pretty gross. So only up from here, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Gosh, we them, almost had the, the uh, total in the Monday night game. That was almost. I know. If, if that one, if that didn't hit, because that was one of my more confident plays of the week. If that didn't hit because Dallas just absolutely dominated, the Bucks couldn't get a single stop. I probably would have retired. <laughs> well, just called you it. You can thank Brent Maher, right? Oh my God, four missed extra points and the the under hits by the hook. By the hook, it, it doesn't. I think we we kind of deserve that one after losing the Chargers. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. So anyway, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into it and get to the first game on the divisional round card. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Jacksonville right now sitting as an eight-and-a-half-point road underdog, a total in this game hovering at about 52 in the hook. And, Alex, i got to ask you, before I get into my handicap, we're recording on a Thursday in the early evening. I'm thinking most of the day Friday, maybe a lot of the day on Saturday on pregame shows, when do the Andy Reid off a of buy stats start coming out? Yeah, I surprisingly haven't actually heard that too much yet. You know, that's always a massive talking point. My only issue with those sort of things is it's always about straight up, which absolutely means nothing when you got, you know, a spread of larger than the touchdown. I'm sure right. he's really successful winning these games off a buy, but what does that mean to covering the spread off a of buy? Exactly. And, you know, that's obviously the space that we're in here. And one thing we do know, if you've listened to us all season or if you're just in the gambling space participating every week, here we are again with the Chiefs north of a touchdown favorite. They just continue to struggle to cover these numbers. Playoffs, different animal with different motivation, but 
Obviously, Alex, we've documented the Chiefs' struggles against the spread in this price range most of the year. Yeah, and there's definitely something to that. I'm not sure if it can quite correlate to the playoffs because obviously you want to win by, I mean, not margin, but you want to. Exactly. Not, especially after you just saw what the Chargers did. So they might continue to pour it on. But there's, there's definitely something to that in the regular season in terms of resting guys. And yeah, just historically, we see the Chiefs not cover these numbers. They don't run it up. They're always looking on to the, to the next game. So with that in mind, let's dive a little deeper into this game in particular. And I'll be honest, it's stinky, but I am going to plug my nose and get there with Jacksonville. I will hold out until Saturday when I'm maybe even in the parking lot in Philly on my third yingling before I place my bet. But I am leaning strongly to the Jacksonville side. Obviously, like we said, there is a tendency for Kansas City to fail to garner margin. Hard to necessarily read into that in a playoff game like Alex mentioned. But I also think on the Jacksonville side, Doug Peterson's five and one against the spread, excuse me, six and one against the spread as a, uh, excuse me, in the playoffs total. And all six of those covers are as a dog and five of the six are outright wins. So I think, you know, we talk about coaches that are good underdog bets, Mike Tomlin, chief among them, where there's an ability to not just motivate your players and, you know, Peterson certainly very well respected from a culture standpoint And we've seen the difference in culture from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. So I certainly think there's a quiet confidence that the Jaguars have in their room right now that they can play with almost anybody. Um, But I also think schematically, you're talking about a guy who went head to head with Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl and beat him. And, you know, last week was able to drum up enough big plays because that's the thing. When they got down 27 to nothing, you're going to have to start ripping off some chunk gains and score quickly to get back in the thing. And that's what they were able to do. So I think Peterson is not only just an exceptional leader, but he's really a grade A football mind. And that's where both of those elements come into him being a good bet as an underdog, because you need to be able to kind of have your locker room believing when they're underdogs. And you also have to be able to find the advantages you do have when you're an underdog because there are fewer advantages to exploit in the first place. So all of that makes me think Peterson is again going to be able to drum up a game plan for Jacksonville to be successful. And let's also think about the game script here. If you're Jacksonville, what happened last week? You got behind. You were down 27 to nothing before you could blink. You obviously know you can't do that again here. So if you're the Jags, I think it makes a total, a lot of sense. And this is why I say total. This is why it correlates to the total. I think if you like the Jags is the notion that Jacksonville needs to come out and slow the game down and allow Trevor Lawrence to ease his way into it and look up at halftime and say, oh, we're only down 13-10. We're right there. And it's something like that where, you know, I'm sure they would love to have some big plays, but I imagine they want their drives to be drawn out. They want to, you know, we saw Travis Etienne run really well last week. That's the kind of stuff that I think they're looking for. And so I feel like Jacksonville should have an emphasis on ball control and trying to maintain time of possession and keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And all of that correlates to the game going under the total as well. So underdog Doug Peterson, a game plan that I believe is conducive to fewer points, meaning I want to take the eight and a half. And I feel that 
again, quiet confidence with Jacksonville right now. I just don't think it's a team that's going to lay down. Last point, they went to Kansas City in uh, November. Kansas City got up 20 to nothing and ended up winning the game 27-17. So even in a game in which Kansas City got up three scores early, you only had 44 total points. So I think we have quite a bit of wiggle room on under 52 and a half. And I'll also say we mentioned the margin for Kansas City. I'll end there. Andy Reid and Doug Peterson are very good friends. I wouldn't rule it out if when they're up seven late, Kansas City goes into clock killing mode. Maybe they're not looking to pour it on uh, because, again, there is a relationship here with these two coaches. I know it's a playoff game, but if they have the game hanging in the balance, I don't think we're going to see any front door bullshit and the Chiefs cover that way. Jags plus the points under 52 and a half. I'm with you there. I completely agree. That was a very succinct breakdown. And one note to make of that first matchup is that the Jags missed a chip shot field goal in there. They easily should have covered. I remember that one vividly because I took the, I think it was nine and a half at the time and they lost by 10. I definitely strong leans to the Jags. And I like the under a lot. I think that's one of my favorite bets this week. It's kind of gross. It's actually ticked up. It opened 51 and a half. I'm seeing it up to 53 in some spots. That's where I grabbed it. I wouldn't be surprised if this might climb a little more. I know, you know, majority of people like the over and just rooting for points. I, I personally love the under and just rooting for, you know, competitive games. And it's absolutely a sweat as we saw in that that Dallas-Tampa game. The, the unders are always not for the faint of heart, but I just really like what I saw from this Jags defense in the second half, and it wasn't even like they played a bad first half. We saw, you know, a ton of fucking turnovers. Put them in the worst the worst spots possible with Trevor Lawrence there in the, the first half just looking miserable. I mean, they couldn't move the ball at all. Muffed punt gives the Chargers a touchdown there. I think this will be much different. I think they can play very competitive on defense. They have a really strong rushing defense. Obviously, it's tough to stop the Chiefs' passing attack, but I think they can definitely keep this competitive and close. So I really like the under, and I definitely strongly lean taking the points here. This just feels like a like a 28 to 20 type of game, and I definitely agree in terms of Andy Reid not really wanting to run it up. I think that speaks to his relationship and also just not wanting to, to show too much. They never want to right, you know, bust out too much. more emblematic plays. of why they don't cover in the regular season, right? Like they just want to exactly. keep their cards close to their vest. But also you throw in the relationship with Peterson, it certainly can't hurt. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great point to make. Yeah, so I love both those. All right, well, let's discuss, we just discussed a couple of former Eagles coaches, so it's a perfect transition to the evening game on Saturday where the New York Giants travel to Lincoln Financial Field to take on the Eagles. As I mentioned, I'll be at the game jacked up um, wearing my midnight green in honor of the clock striking midnight on the New York Giants and their cute little story because that's where I think this is headed as the Eagles are laying seven in the hook, total of 48. I don't know that I'll get involved. I try and keep my emotions out of these things. I tend to bet against my teams more than I bet on them, but I will say if I were to bet this point spread, I would lay the seven and a half with Philadelphia. I think there's a recency bias that really creeps in 
come divisional round, particularly if you haven't seen a team like the Eagles in two weeks. And the last time we saw them, they kind of slept walked their way through the game against the Giants at the end of the regular season when New York had nothing to play for. Eagles didn't look great. People were wondering how healthy Jalen Hurts was. And of course, the two weeks prior to that, the Eagles lost a pair of games to Dallas and New Orleans without Jalen Hurts. So all of that has me thinking that the, again, recency bias has a lot of people may be wondering, huh, did the Eagles peak? Are they are the Giants catching them at the right time? Which is why I think we're seeing New York as a little bit of a trendy dog this week. You know, you know, you always hear the people, oh, you can't beat a team three times in one year. The stats actually say it's not as hard as the narrative says it is. Um, so I think a lot of that is what's resulting in the Giants being a bit trendy here. And um, I, 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 Jalen Hurts not even on the injury report. And yeah, could that be a little gamesmanship on behalf of Nick Sirianni and the Eagles? It's always possible. But I'm going to take them at their word that Jalen Hurts is as healthy as he's been since the injury. Does that mean he's 100%? Maybe not. But not on the injury report. Obviously good news for the Philadelphia signal caller. So with all that said, once we think about the health of the Eagles seemingly improving, Avante Maddox is not going to play in this game, but it looks like they're going to get Lane Johnson back at right tackle, and that is absolutely massive. He is uh, you know, as integral to the Eagles as anybody not named Jalen Hurts is. And so – I think that you're starting to see Philadelphia get healthier. They got C.J. Gardner-Johnson back in the secondary a few weeks ago. And it's, for me at least, it's easier for me to just remove some of the recency talk that I mentioned is surrounding these two teams and look at the talent mismatches that the Eagles have at a lot of positions. And let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago, but I feel like it was long enough ago to where people are forgetting that like five weeks ago, six weeks ago, the beginning of December, the Eagles went to MetLife Stadium and blew the doors off the Giants 48-22. to And that's really the concern I would have if I was the Giants, is that when the Eagles are healthy, as it appears to be they're getting healthier, they can really score on you. Remember, Hertz was in line to win the MVP. You're going to, as I mentioned, get Lane Johnson back. Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, far better than any of the wide receivers the Giants can throw at you. The Eagles have not just Lane Johnson, but several other pro bowlers on the offensive line. Miles Sanders had a big year. Dallas Goddard, one of the better tight ends in football. There's just way more weapons for Philly. And that's why I think if you like the Eagles, you probably do like the game over the total as well. I would prefer Eagles minus seven in the hook because I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be nearly as effective when the Giants have the football as he was last week against Minnesota. I think I heard a stat this week. Minnesota had something like 38 sacks, I think, for the whole season. The Eagles were over 70 sacks this season. So clearly a much more formidable pass rush that Daniel Jones is going to have to go up against. There's just not many things to like about how this matchup lays itself out for the Giants. The concerns would have been health for the Eagles or, you know, had the Giants maybe accumulated a little bit more of a body of work before the Minnesota game. We talked about it, kind of lollygagged a bit down the stretch, coasted into that sixth seed, didn't have to play anybody against the Eagles. Before that Eagles game, they clinched a playoff spot against the lowly Indianapolis Colts. One win at Minnesota isn't enough for me to drastically change my opinion of the Giants. I think the Eagles win. I think the Eagles cover. I'm not sure if the game goes over the total would lean that way. I just think you have more wiggle room on Philly minus the points. Once again, I completely agree. It is worth noting our guys. I don't think this is a good guys. thing, but we're not going to no, come out agreement. No, no, it, it never ends well. But it is worth noting Daniel Jones, our guy as we always talk about him as a road underdog, 17-5 and 
against the spread. But I completely agree. I think the Eagles can absolutely roll here. Giants just beat a team that we all thought, and we're correct about, were fraudulent the entire season. They have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Eagles have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. I think the Giants are going to struggle to move the ball. They're going to really have to lean on Saquon there in their running game. And if that's not working, I think I think they could be in trouble. I think Daniel Jones could have a couple interceptions here. This is a really yeah, solid I almost secondary. feel like Saquon is plan A, B, and C. In this matchup, absolutely. And then when you look at their wide receivers against that secondary, I just don't see who is going to be able to get separation. And I mean, Hodgins a really good story. He's been solid, but Slayton, he's pretty trash. I just don't see the Giants having enough weapons to keep up here. It's also worth noting a little referee trend, which I do love to see. Blakeman, he's the head official for this game. In Eagles games where he's the head official, they're 5-1 and one against the spread at home, and they're 3-0 and oh against the spread versus the Giants in those games. That, that's not quite Scott Foster, Chris Paul, but it's close. No, I don't think anything in sports quite tops that. And that's that's an insane sample size that you have to just just follow every single time. What's it like? It's like I mean, that's games, unbelievable. Right? Oh, it's insane. I don't know if Chris Paul's beat him once. It's something outrageous like that. <laughs> yeah, so it makes, I, I it love makes you wonder how here. that can even, like, you know, especially with how widespread gambling is now. Like, if Tim Donahue can get caught, like, 20 years ago, like, it makes you wonder how there hasn't – and maybe there has been some poking around as to what's going on there. Formal investigation in that. Uh, one last note on this game. Yeah. It's going to be super trendy and pretty square, but Boston's got – is the fucking giant killer. The giant killer. <laughs> I mean, it's outrageous. Ten touchdowns in eight games against the Giants. So I would not hate anyone sprinkling his anytime touchdown, especially if you think the Eagles will roll, which we both seem to think. Then you have to think that he's going to be getting a lot of touches down the stretch. He also yeah. seems to get a good bit of goal line carries there as well. Him and Gainwell. I wouldn't hate sprinkling either of them, but definitely Boston Scott, throw them in your DFS. I don't hate that at all. All right, let's go from Saturday to Sunday, where we'll start in Western New York. The Buffalo Bills welcome in the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that, fingers crossed, will be played in its entirety after the Tamar Hamlin saga uh, wiped out the Monday night football game in Cincinnati at the end of the regular season. Now it's the Bengals catching five and a half. On the road, a total of 48 and the hook. And I lean with Buffalo here, and I'm it's so strongly, and I probably will play it. I feel like the offensive line problems for Cincinnati rearing their ugly heads again with Alex Kappa, the guard, and Jonah Williams, the tackle, both not looking great to be able to play in this game. Lyle Collins is also banged up. And I wonder how sustainable this is. I mean, last year, I think it was nine or ten sacks that Tennessee had against Cincinnati in the divisional round and Cincinnati still managed to win that game in Nashville. So, you know, now let's throw the caveat out there that there was quite a bit of cooperation from Ryan Tannehill there in terms of the Cincinnati victory in that game in the divisional round against the uh, Bengals and the Titans. So all that said, I I just think that this sets up for Burrow to go there and and get beat up again. And I, I, 
I question how sustainable it is that the Bengals can keep winning with that kind of a game script. And also, neither one of these teams looked all that great last week. Uh, Buffalo at home against Miami, Cincinnati at home against Baltimore. Uh, Buffalo had some turnover problems. That's been an issue for the Bills. Um, you know, I, Allen can get a little interception happy at times. I, I, if you had to ask me which team will kind of button it up a little bit more, I think I'm just going to lean with the home team doing that. That appears to be a little healthier as well. I mentioned those Bengals offensive line injuries. That's definitely a concern for me. And, you know, Baltimore has a really good defense, so let's give the Ravens credit. But it just felt like last week, obviously, remember, the winning points came on the Sam Hubbard scoop and score going the whole field there in a game that was 17-17 with about 10 minutes left. So I, I worry about Cincinnati being able to match Buffalo score for score with a dinged-up offensive line. We know that Buffalo can score in a hurry. Allen will sling it down the field to Davis and Diggs and, you know, drive 80 yards in three plays if he has to. So I think that the five and a half is, I don't want to say it's cheap. I think it's probably a fair point spread. I just think if Buffalo wins the game, they will cover. So I would probably lay the points with the home chalk. I'm absolutely, absolutely leaning with Buffalo. I love it. This is probably my favorite play of the week. Those injuries you mentioned on the offensive line are absolutely concerning. The guard, the tackle. Lyle Collins was already out. Another tackle. I think that's massive. This is an uh, offensive line that has struggled. They were playing better down the stretch, but to lose three starters, and granted, they, they said week to week for Captain Williams, I don't think either are going to play. They both didn't practice today. Jonah Williams dislocated me in that win over the Ravens. I can't imagine he's going to play. I think that's massive. This is one of the only matchups or one of the only coaches left McDermott that's a defensive mind you have to think that he's just salivating at scheming something up against this depleted line just going to give the Bengals headaches we saw the Bengals really struggle running the ball as well against the Ravens if they can't get the run game going Bills have a pretty solid secondary Poyer he didn't practice today, but that's kind of been something that's been week to week. And he's been playing still, just not practicing. Looks like they should have Jackson back in the secondary as well after he got injured last week. I just really like the, the Bills' defensive matchup here. And you have to love the Bills' offense, obviously. It's just a matter of can they limit the turnovers? Can they not have some of the dumbest fucking turnovers you'll ever see? Yeah. Like They easily should have covered. Last week against the Dolphins, they gave them, you know, like 17 points off those three turnovers. Completely kept them in the game. They should have ran away with it. I trust the Bills to, you know, cut down on those really bad turnovers. The the Josh Allen sacks where he's just being really lackadaisical. I mean, you saw in that first that first drive for the Bills, he's he's running for a first down. He fumbles the ball and you know the first drive. Like, Cut that shit out, and, and you'll win this game by 10-plus. I got it at four and a half. I still really like anything under six. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a good number at four and the hook. Let's wrap up in the Bay Area where it's a playoff rematch from a year ago, although it is around later as the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers this time square off in the divisional round, a historic rivalry renewed in San Francisco. Dallas catching, it looks like, 
four, three and a half at some shops. A total in this game sitting at 46. And this is the game I have the worst feel for, Alex. I think there's a path for Dallas to win this game outright, given how strong of a performance Dak Prescott had last week. And let's be honest, while Tampa certainly, uh, you know, I do think that the theme of the playoffs last week was getting the dead weight out. And Tampa was one of those teams that we thought, oh, you know, you're just there because your division sucks. Minnesota, we've talked about how phony they were. You got the backup quarterbacks out in Miami and Baltimore and Seattle. We, you know, I think people certainly questioned if the Seahawks really belonged. So up and down in the Chargers, they were going to charge her at some point. And it just happened to be the first weekend of the playoffs. So I think we certainly saw the dead weight of the uh, playoffs kind of uh, exit last week. And so having said that, though, I do think that it was encouraging if you're a Cowboys fan to see how well Dak played against what is still a good Tampa defense. Four touchdowns, uh, no picks, got everybody involved, Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, uh, Tony Pollard looked good. I I thought it was a very sound performance from the Dallas offense, Um, but I think it has to be the opposite game script for Dallas this week because I just think that San Francisco's defense – while Tampa's is good, San Francisco's is on another level, uh, both personnel-wise and coaching-wise, with D'Amico Ryans still running that unit for at least the next few weeks. And I, I think that the big question, and really where I'm intrigued by, we, we, it's funny, we started this talking about two guys that know each other well and Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. I'm really intrigued by the Dallas defense against the San Francisco offense, because if you remember, who was Kyle Shanahan, or excuse me, who was Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator in Atlanta up until he left for the San Francisco job? It was Kyle Shanahan. So now you have Dan Quinn going against Kyle Shanahan on the Dallas defense against the San Francisco offense. And that's where Dallas really is going to have to be able to butter its bread to give itself a chance here. If it could be a good game for Micah Parsons and the rest of the front seven, maybe you get a Trayvon Diggs pick enough to kind of disrupt Brock Purdy because we haven't really seen anybody be able to do that successfully enough to where San Francisco obviously hasn't lost a game with Brock Purdy. So how can you make him feel uncomfortable. And that'll be the challenge for Dan Quinn and company on defense. And that's the path I think for Dallas. I just think if Purdy continues to look comfortable and distribute the ball to his playmakers, and we know he's got plenty of them there in San Fran, then I think this probably ends with San Francisco winning by double digits, something like 31, 17, 31, 20 in that neighborhood. Dallas needs to be able to drum up a good enough defensive game plan. And if they do Cowboys definitely have a chance. So that's my way of saying if you like Dallas, you should also like this game under the total. I just don't know that I have any strong lean here. I could really see San Francisco by double digits or I could see Dallas outright. So I probably will pass this game. This is definitely one of the toughest, toughest games on the board. I really could see it going either way through the side. Still waiting on that Brock Purdy just absolutely implosion game, which has not come. He definitely struggled in the first half of that game against Seattle last week. And they still put up, you know, 16 points of struggling with all those weapons. It doesn't seem to really slow this team down much. But then you saw them erupt in the second half and easily cover. I definitely lean to the Cowboys. I'm not sure if I can quite get there, especially for it does feel like Cowboys went outright or the Niners just went by 10 plus, absolutely roll. But I'm going to go to the under. I like the under in these sort of spots, especially the night primetime games. 
I think both defenses are really solid. I'm expecting Dallas's pass rush to sort of throw off Purdy a bit and just eliminate a few of those weapons. I really like what they did against Tampa. You know, you saw Tom Brady. They were moving Micah Parsons all around the field, having blitzing up the middle, blitzing from everywhere, just really disrupting that Tampa offense. It made them look awful. And I expect the Niners defense to do what they do. I think they're going to get pressure as well, which will definitely limit those, those plays we saw last week. Dak was absolutely phenomenal. I don't see anything sort of remotely close to that type of performance. I think both both teams will definitely uh, try to lean on their ground games with their both successful and try to take the ball out of their quarterback's hands a little more and, you know, limit those sort of mistakes that are just inevitable. I mean, before the Tampa game, Dak was just miserable down the stretch, though, you know, multiple interceptions and all sorts of games. So I think they'll have to both lean on their their run games and their defenses. This feels like a great spot for the under. Yeah, I definitely would lean under if I had to make a play on this game regardless, but that's the beauty of sports betting. You can pass if so, if you feel the need, and hopefully I've already cashed my tickets for divisional weekend elsewhere, and I can sit back and enjoy this and wait for my bookie to uh, hit me with that weekly Venmo. So we'll see what happens on the weekend that is coming up, divisional round of the playoffs. And, uh, Alex, I'll end on this note. I don't know if you saw, but, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some college basketball soon enough on the pod when uh, the NFL playoffs are over. Mike Bray stepping down as the Notre Dame head coach at the end of the year. You see that? I I did just see that. They're calling yeah. it a retirement. Is that so that's either? Notre Dame and Texas. A couple of big college basketball openings. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited to, to talk some college basketball. I have to hop on. Admittedly, my – my knowledge isn't quite there, but I, I'm watching every single night, mainly Big Ten I, I basketball. Think, I think the five, six weeks in between the Super Bowl and March Madness is when you can really, like, use your time to screw up. That's where you study. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you study. I mean, I, I watch, like, every fucking night, and I absolutely love it. I, my bets don't quite love it, but <laughs> I love watching for sure. As do I. All right, buddy. We'll uh, reconvene next week for championship weekend in the National Football League. Enjoy the divisional round and, uh, you know, let's catch some tickets. Sounds good, man. Best of luck. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate pod. I am Greg Frank at undercover Greg and also at G underscore Frank six. That'll wrap things up for us again. Enjoy the divisional round of the playoffs. And as we say, as we always get out. Please play responsibly. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. We'll talk to you next week.